This is Rabbi Jeffrey Sachs, editor of Tradition, welcoming you to the Tradition Podcast, where we'll be bringing you occasional conversations with our editors, authors, and readers about things happening in our pages and other items of common concern. Please visit traditiononline.org, which houses the archives of over 2,000 items we've published in our 60-plus year history. While there, maybe it's time to subscribe or to renew your subscription to our print journal or to gift a subscription to a new reader. Also visit Tradition Journal on Facebook and give us a like to keep updated on everything that's happening at Tradition. In this first inaugural podcast, we're talking with Rabbi J. David Bleich. Rav Bleich is no stranger to our readers. He's a Rosh Yeshiva at the Rabbi Isaac Alchanan Theological Seminary and professor at Yeshiva University's Cordoza Law School, a renowned postic and author of the multi-volume series Contemporary Halachic Problems. He's been authoring Tradition's Survey of Recent Halachic Literature column for nearly 50 years. In this conversation, we talk about his broad-ranging interests in all areas of halacha, how his work on the column has evolved, and what he's learned along the way. Rabbi Bleich, you have been writing the review of current periodical halachic literature in tradition now for nearly a half century. It's one of the great features and contributions of uh, tradition to our to our readership. Uh, I meet people all the time who tell me it's the first thing they they turn to. So I, I was first of all I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about how you came to write this column, uh, some of the things that you've encountered and learned uh, and grown from uh, in your own work with it over all these many years. I'm not sure that I can identify anything in particular. The column is basically written because I want to write it, (laughs) or better, I want to read it. I've long since discovered that uh, the best way to become well, f- thoroughly familiar with the topic is to write about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that basically it's Lacholman de Boy, and uh, I'm the first reader. So I write about things that interest me. And what interests me, a lot of it comes because of questions that come my way in one form or another. Uh, the medical issues came because I happened to live in a neighborhood that is surrounded by hospitals and had a lot of interns and residents in my shul. Uh, other things are uh, things that are, people are interested in, they're topics of interest, and they require some form of uh, dealing with in terms of halacha, so I investigate them. I investigate them because I don't know the answers. Mm. And then when I think I know something about the answer, I commit it to writing, and we have an article. Mm. Uh, what else can I tell you? You, you very famously are an are a old-fashioned researcher. You don't use a computer. You don't use the, the Internet. You write it all out longhand, and, uh, uh, you know... Uh, Kind souls have been helpful in uh, moving from the handwriting to the printed uh, printed page, but that uh, certainly to some of our younger listeners will seem uh, almost impossible to even imagine. What's your what's your method once once you've settled on a topic that you want to research? How do you go about doing that? How do you go how, how do you go down that rabbit hole of 
finding every source and digesting it all and before you present it to the reader? Number one, I don't have every source, nor do I claim that I have every source. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's virtually impossible, certainly, if you don't work with computers. The, uh, the way to do these things is to uh, go through indexes. In many cases, you have one person quoting another person, and sometimes I have a student, a research assistant, and I give them the task of going through the computer and see if they can find something in the computer. Particularly when you're dealing with modern problems, technological problems, you don't have to go back 200 years and deal with the Jewfus. Whatever exists is in the periodical literature, and it requires searching through the periodical literature, which isn't as formidable a task as going through a you know, kind of database of Jewfus of 500 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, it's a matter of uh, of trying to be as thorough as one can. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to spend time in the library to see what you can find, and then sooner or later you have to start writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, very many. If people were to if people were to uh, take a trip through our archives, the tradition archives, and just survey the, the, uh, the hundreds of topics that you've covered over the last fifty years. Uh, beyond kind of uh, looking at at being a type of time capsule to things that were of concern to uh, halacha and and poskim and uh, the religious community. After all, the the world of Sheila to Chuvot, we originate with the Sheila. We originate with the community uh, seeking guidance on some topic. But naturally, in the last 50 years, from the the late uh, 1960s up up until today, um, technology is, uh, is featured prominently in the topics that have engaged you, uh, and technology, and also, of course, the medical halacha, and of course, there's a an overlap between between the two, and this has uh, no doubt caused you to uh, have to educate yourself on on all of these things. What's your process of of doing that? How do you educate yourself on matters of technology or matters of halacha, uh, matters of of, of uh, medical halacha? where you have to constantly be re-educating yourself because these are moving targets. In a certain sense, it's easier than writing on halacha. Uh, it is necessary to look at what appears in the scholarly journals, particularly in medicine. And even when you're dealing with other technological problems, uh, it's absolutely necessary to read whatever has appeared in the scientific literature and that involves doing uh, searches. Uh, When we're dealing with the scientific stuff, technological stuff, I usually get a student to do a search for me. Uh And uh, based on what the students come up with, I have material that I can use to educate myself with regard to the alphabets, to the the elementary things that you have to know about whatever it is that you're writing about. Mm -hmm. But have you presumably also developed relationships with experts in all the fields over the years, and what's the nature of that work with uh, either physicians or people and experts in the world of the different technological uh, matters? Yeah, with physicians, it's relatively easy because there are a lot of them out there, mm. and uh, it becomes a kind of uh, you know, a repeat customer. Um, I'm always the nudnik, so I can always call the people that I've built a relationship with and ask them things uh, about medical uh, advances, etc., etc., and either they tell me or they tell me who to ask or what to read. 
Uh, when you're dealing with other things, it turns out to be pretty much a one-time affair. There may be multiple conversations, but uh, it's only with regard to one topic and one particular kind of expertise. And you and, you, you seek out those experts at need. Yeah, you right. ask someone who's the person who knows the most about this you, topic. You find out who is supposed to be the expert in the field, and you try to reach him. Uh, in the academic world, people are very generous with other academics. They will give you their time uh, unless or until they find there's reason not to. Uh, it happened when we were talking about the, the milk problem, the abomasums that were being pierced, etc., etc., in the early stages, uh, was, uh, there were two or three people, and they were very happy to talk, and then suddenly it stopped. Presumably and, these are... But, veterinary experts or absolutely. dairymen in Iowa well, yes, curious to know that there's a learned rabbi in the uh, yeah. know, wants to know how their cows are milked. To them it was of archaeological interest or something <laughs> of the sort. But then after a while uh, they suddenly lose interest. I can, I, I can guess at why they've lost interest but sometimes they lose interest. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're dealing with other things it's a lot easier once it was a matter with an astronomer, and uh, I got absolutely all that I needed from him. But since then, I haven't spoken to him. I, I haven't been dealing with astronomy since then. Uh, that's, you know, that's how it goes. You have to find out who, who has a reputation in the field, uh, and you make, it, make a pest of yourself until they tell you what you want to know. Uh, Interestingly, you did not originate this column in tradition. There were a few other people that wrote, uh, although not with the same, not with the same um, uh, frequency, that you have, thank God, managed to produce in the last fifty years. Uh, Rabbi Manuel Jacobovitz, for example, uh, was, I think, the originator of the column in tradition in, in the late fifties when Rabbi Lamb founded the journal. Um, but it has been yours for the last uh, fifty years, and to a very real degree. Uh, you are correctly identified both through the column and through your series of eight books now? Well, it depends. If you add the two medical books, it's nine. Uh, nine <laughs> books, uh, which uh, anthologize many of the columns from tradition and also include some other uh, material. You have been identified with as the figure in this, almost the progenitor of a certain style of halachic, of halachic writing. So in terms of form, not specifically content, what have you been trying to accomplish uh, in, in this method of halachic writing for our community? What do you think the, the benefits of, of this type of, of writing and digesting and analyzing contemporary halachic issues is? Okay, the column has changed over the years. When I began, and uh, under my predecessor, it was a digest of what has appeared in the periodical literature, made no attempt to go beyond a particular article, and I suspect, without ever having been told, that it was a way to inform rabbis in the field that there have been articles that have appeared in uh, Hebrew journals that they didn't necessarily subscribe to, didn't necessarily read. Mm -hmm. And it certainly was in the pre-internet era where... Yes, it was on the internet. <laughs> and this is, you know, informing them of this is what has appeared, and here you got was a short praise. Uh I found that 
that was not intellectually satisfying to me. I had read the article, when I have to write about it. Uh, as far as I was concerned, the article that I used was a takeoff. Mm-hmm. Now we have a topic. Let's see what else there is about the topic so that in the end we have something that's relatively comprehensive and we're dealing with a topic that uh, the reader can look at and he will have a grasp of the material, not simply the single article, but he'll know the issues, he'll know the different positions. It was, it's, it was still r- repertorial, uh, re- reporting, uh, or a connoisseur. I'm telling you what's out there. But I tried to be more comprehensive. I suspect, looking back, that as things went on, I decided to become a little bit more independent, so the articles became somewhat different. Uh, Particularly in recent years, I've often been asked why I write in English, why I don't write in Hebrew. And my answer invariably is because tradition publishes in English. Uh, In Hebrew, I have to go find somebody to publish. Uh, It's not as easy to publish in Hebrew, although there are journals, but the journals are of a different nature. Uh, Chidushim, you can get published easily. Comprehensive articles, now there are, and when I began writing, there weren't. There weren't that many people that were interested in publishing mm-hmm. survey articles, uh, comprehensive articles, etc., etc. Lundus was easy to publish, yeah. always was. Uh, so that the, they have acquired a, a, a different style. And if you look carefully, uh, you will see that some of these articles appeared not in Hebrew translation, but with Hebrew version. A Hebrew version. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two volumes, uh, the four volumes, I'm sorry, in Sivas HaHalacha, many of the topics were already covered in tradition in one way or another. The Hebrew articles were again written during that period of time, many of them, for Orham Mizrach, which was published by the Mizrahi, and was a uh, Hebrew scholarly journal that was interested in things of this nature for the same reasons. Right. So that uh, you know, I was writing in Hebrew and English sometimes the same topic at the same time, mm. usually not the same time. But uh, that, you know, that was the purpose of all of this, and it was, to a large extent, a very large extent, something that I wanted to know for myself. And the only way to uh, do it for myself is mm-hmm. you know, the readers are what prompted me to do this. And uh, in, in the process, I hope I informed myself. Mm-hmm. How often has it happened over the years that you've had to revisit a topic that you may have written about 10 or 15 years earlier because the field has changed? And how often does it happen that you start exploring a topic only to recall, oh, I've already written on this, uh, but it's a different world now because of a different reality? Uh, it also happens I start thinking about writing and don't realize I've written about it. <laughs> that has also happened. Uh, it has been very often that I had to revisit the topic. Uh, sometimes it occurs more often than not, uh, for example... Uh, in the early issues of the column, there was something about cigarette smoking. Mm-hmm. I never included any one of the books because I couldn't publish what was in tradition then in any one of the books. Because so much had changed. Some has changed. It's, it's a different child today. I put more information. I had a lot more mm-hmm. than I did then. 
uh, and uh, yeah, I never decided to revisit the topic because it's passé. Everybody mm-hmm. knows how dangerous it is. Nobody's really asking whether you should be smoking or yes. not smoking. Now they want to know about marijuana. So I'll talk mm-hmm. about marijuana some other time. Mm-hmm. But now it's, uh, I never really revisited it. Uh, you know, how I've been, I'm either famous or infamous for saying the halacha doesn't change. Halacha does not change. But the circumstances, Facts, circumstances change. Knowledge changes. Yeah. Empirical knowledge changes. Uh, but not that quickly. And there's not that much. You, sometimes you have to respond to things that are going on out there and different things to respond to. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't been or at least not often enough, have the changes been drastic enough mm-hmm. that it requires writing a second time. Right. Yeah, you mentioned a, f- a moment ago uh, the changes in the focus from uh, what initially was really just survey work to, if I understand you correctly, uh, being comfortable or being compelled to include more of your own voice and your own opinion in, in the column. Uh, to what degree, after all, tradition is a journal of the Rabbinical Council of America. It serves a set of readers uh, in one concentric circle who are themselves rub on him and who themselves have to answer the questions that are posed to them. And then, of course, it's also a journal that lives within a larger religious community uh, and people are guided in their own practice by by what they read. Uh, To what degree uh, do you think people have been using the column as a, a kind of a directive towards psak uh, and you know making decisions for themselves or their congregants based upon what you've been serving up in in the column. It's hard for me to assess. I I, I studiously avoid writing piske halach in the column. Sometimes I violate my own rules, but it's not designed for that. It's right. designed to present the material in a shulchan aruch in the literal sense of the term. Here are the sources. If you are rabbonim, paiskim, go out. I made it easier for you. You don't have to spend hours in the library. Look at the sources and you'll make your own decisions. I have said repeatedly that when I read things of this nature, including my own, I'm not at all interested in what the author has to say. Mm-hmm. I look at the footnotes. Mm-hmm. I want the footnotes. I'll make up. I'll make my, my mind up after I see the sources. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's how it should be used. By this, I have heard people who have told me that they have used it that way. I hear from rabbis, particularly, that uh, they use it for classes, sermon material, Shabbos Shuvah Roshes, Shabbos HaKadol Roshes, right. what have you, which is fine as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's also a service. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it should be used for that purpose. Uh, not everything is Pesach Halacha. Becoming aware of the issues is just as important. Uh, I'll return to the question you asked me before, whether I ever revisited. In a certain sense, I didn't answer you fairly. I've revisited just about everything because the articles ultimately go into books. Hmm. And the books have more footnotes, uh-huh. have more footnotes, and even revisions. Sure. But those are limited to things that have appeared after the article was published. Mm-hmm. Uh, he often, on the very same topic, somebody else has addressed it, and there are additional sources, even additional arguments. I try to incorporate them 
uh, when they go into the book. And now the books are going into second editions. Mm -hmm. I try to incorporate them in the second edition as well. So in that sense, it's ongoing, but it's not really de novo. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, uh, uh, I suppose that in a very rudimentary kind of way, uh, this is a quasi kind of computer. You know, the computer's there to give you sources. This is there to give you sources. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, uh, they're, they're things. The, the proto Barilan CD ROM. <laughs> well, maybe not quite. But, uh, you know, there are some things that I certainly, in retrospect, would have been more than delighted to find if I could have found them before I wrote about them. Mm. It would have saved me an awful lot of work. All I would have to do is read the article, and I would have been informed. I wouldn't have to go through the work of informing myself. Mm -hmm. I hope, to a small extent, that that's the service I'm providing. Right. Let me ask you one final question. Uh, of course, in addition to your voluminous writing on these matters of contemporary halakha, uh, you've also written on matters of Jewish thought, perhaps most famously your now classic work with Perfect Faith um, and and others as well. Of course, Tradition, uh, which has hosted your column all these many years, uh, the column itself, of course, deals more directly with matters of halakha. Tradition, of course, is a self-styled journal of Orthodox Jewish thought. So I was wondering if you could say something about how you think this type of halachic writing um, intersects with matters of Jewish thought. To what degree is halachic writing uh, also a source for what's kind of classically styled Jewish thought? I'm not sure that I know what Jewish thought is. Mm -hmm. uh, Jewish philosophy, okay. I know. Jewish thought, Jewish philosophy, uh, Jewish Philosophy, as far as I'm concerned, uh, came to an end with Reduce of Albo in the close of the Middle Ages. That's classical Jewish philosophy. Uh, and that is a matter of halacha. I've written that also. Hilchas Deus is halacha. Chayvus halavavos is chayva. It's also halacha. But they, and I've tried to address some of those things. There is no question that there is something which in the broad term is called hashkafa, and there is such a thing as a Jewish hashkafa. I'm not sure that there's Jewish hashkafa about absolutely everything out there, uh, but there is a certain math, there's a certain element of hashkafa that goes into analyzing uh, any contemporary issue. It becomes the value system of halacha, the value system of Judaism, which is much broader, and it does have an impact upon uh, particular problems. And it has a double impact. It was one impact as far as Jews are concerned, and the other is an impact as far as the Humoto Olam are concerned. We certainly, particularly when asked, must respond with regard to what the Jewish perspective is on various different issues. Uh, for the most part, I don't think that those require full court treatments, It's at least to me. The response of a traditional Jew should be pretty much evident. It has to be uh, you know, cast in the right idiom, to be sure, and brought to the attention of people who uh, have no idea that there is such a thing out there. Uh, I can't say that I have spent too much time writing about topics of that nature, but here and there, uh, in the old days, the, uh, I don't know if the, the, the periodical appears anymore, 
But Shema in the old days was the forum for writing about things like that. They were short items, yeah. and they dealt with Dvarim Omdim al not necessarily matters of halacha, but matters of uh, social policy, public interest, etc., etc. And that during that period, I, uh, I was a contributing editor, and I used it as a forum to say whatever I had to say about any issue that I thought uh, needed bringing to bear a Jewish perspective. Uh, I don't know that that occurs in terribly many places. Uh, to the extent that I'm familiar with what appears in tradition, those tend to be full-length, extensive excursions with regard to some issues, many of them esoteric. And I'm, you know, it's not my forte. I let other people do things like that. Okay. I'd like for your many years of tradition and for the hope of many more. We thank you. And hasluchah to you in many, many years of editing tradition. <laughs>